Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome. Today we are kicking off a a two-week message series. It's really just one long sermon split over two Sundays uh, called Keeping Score. And uh, when my kids were a bit younger, about seven or eight years ago, we had them in City League soccer. And I remember at the time that we were uh, doing this soccer with the kids, uh, they changed the rules and regulations surrounding our local area. And a couple of things stood out to me. One of them was that they changed uh, one of the rules to state that they were going to make the field size smaller. Because, of course, the kids that love running would all be down the field with the ball, and there would be the odd kid standing there picking flowers. And then uh, they said they were going to make the field smaller so everyone would get involved in the game. The other thing they said they were going to do is they were going to remove the scoreboard. We are no longer keeping score, they said. And it was fun to watch the reaction of the different parents and how they perceived these changes. Of course, some parents, we'll call them the flower picker parents, really appreciated these changes. They thought, oh, this is so great. Uh, Some of the other parents... I might include myself in this category, the competitive parents. Uh, they were not too thrilled about the score being removed because the one thing that every sport, no matter what it is, has in common is we keep score. The one thing that all parents could agree upon was that no matter what they did, no matter what changes they made, the kids were all keeping score anyway. Even little Susie who was picking flowers. When a goal went in, she turned and went, oh, they scored on us again. We're losing 10 nothing." Every kid was keeping score, and in reality... You and I keep score all the time. It's wired into us to to look around us, to compare, to contrast, to track our progress, and to kind of figure out how we're doing. And sometimes we don't keep score the right way because we think success is like, yes, that's good, and it's a plus, and failure is a negative. So if we have more successes than failures, we feel good about ourselves. If we have more failures than successes, we feel bad about ourselves. And so today I want to talk about how we keep score. Next week we're going to talk about the scoreboard we're using. Because those parents that were watching those kids play soccer, for some of them, they were using the fun scoreboard. They were like, if kids are having fun, it's a win. Other parents were looking at it and going, hey, my kid needs a friend. And if my kid says hi to another kid, and, 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 and then that's a win. And then, of course, the competitive parents just wanted goals and victories. Today, uh, as we start this conversation around keeping score, um, I want to talk about a word that I really haven't heard many sermons about through my time growing up uh, in the church. And it's this word, you're going to love it, failure. <laughs> Everybody, fail your, everyone loves that word. A few of you, especially those of you who have perfectionist tendencies, just got a little nervous. You're like, I don't want to hear a sermon about this. Uh, today, I, I want to speak to the graduates. <laughs> I want to talk to uh, some of our students that have been part of our church for many years and are now graduating. You've actually succeeded at something that's significant. And you're moving on to the next stage of your life. So why am I talking about failure? Well, when I was a kid growing up in church, um, we didn't talk about failure a lot. In fact, as I attended church each weekend, I often heard sermons about the holiness of God, about the righteousness of God and purity. It it sounds better with a Welsh accent. Uh, But we we had these, I I guess here's what I'm trying to say. The, The church had this message that was kind of wrapped into the teaching which said this. Aim high, okay? Aim high, don't fail. 
And whether anyone ever said it or not, it's, it's definitely what I received. And again, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not saying they did anything wrong. I'm saying the message that I heard sometimes growing up within the church was aim high, holiness, righteousness, and all of that stuff, but don't fail. And, and there was really this sense that <laughs> to coin, I think it's from Apollo 13. And if you've ever seen that movie, uh, everything's going wrong in the spaceship. The astronauts are kind of stuck in space and their gears all breaking actually reminds me of church some weeks, and, and they're up there, and, and they're all panicking, and, uh, and I, I think it's the, uh, the director of NASA, he's down with his crew trying to figure out a solution, and he says something like, um, failure is not an option, and, and when he says that, it's like, everyone's like, yes, we can't fail, and, and sometimes that's the message that we hear, and even for some of the kids that have grown up in our church, maybe you've heard that message somehow that like, you know you're to aim high and we should never stop aiming high. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Love your enemies. It's like, wow, that's a pretty high bar. So we want to aim for a high bar. We want to aim for purity. We want to aim for holiness. But, but how we deal with failure is extremely important. The message I often heard was failure is not an option. Now, it made sense to me as a kid, but as I grew up and I began to, to read this book for myself. It dawned on me, how can we as a Christian church and how can we as Christians uh, embrace this idea of don't fail? Failure is not an option when our entire Christian faith is founded on our failure. Now, let me explain. There's this doctrine called original sin. I think it was first coined by a man named Augustine in the second century, an early church father. And, And he points to all these passages in the scripture that talks about the nature of sin that lives within us. David, the psalmist, says in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, he says, I was brought forth in iniquity. David's saying to us, like, the moment I was born, like I came out of my mom, doctor held me up, whack, gave me a slap, I cried. I guess it would have been a midwife. But, you know, he's like, from the very moment I came into the world, David says, I was in iniquity. Sin was already present. He takes it a step further. He says, and in sin, my mother conceived me. He's like, the moment I was conceived, like embryo, sin was present within me. And the point that David is making is that human nature is corrupt with sin. And I know someone's going to be like, yeah, but you don't understand. Now that we're Christians, like we're, we're pure and purified and we're saints. And that's true, but we still have bodies of sin that are pulling us in the wrong direction. That's why uh, anyone that you try to lead to Christ, you usually take them for a walk down Romans Road and some of you who grew up in church will know what I'm talking about. Passages in Romans that explain the way of salvation and coming to Christ. And we usually take a stop at Romans 3.23, which says this. It says, for all. Who? All. Everybody. Have sinned. And guess what? All of us, that includes the person that's sitting next to you right now, <laughs> includes you listening. All of us fall short of the glory of God. What, what that text is saying is that there is a standard. There is something we aim for. And every single one of us will and do fall short of it. And when you you see that the Christian faith is rooted in this very idea, it's actually pretty ridiculous to think that the church would ever communicate a message that failure is not an option. It's like, you have failed, you will continue to fail. (laughs) Come to Jesus. There is only one person who ever existed on this planet who did not fail. His name is Jesus. And he became our substitute. What that means is when he went to the cross, he was on the cross 
being punished for our failure, even though he was perfect. And he gives to us who trust in him, his perfection, his righteousness, his holiness, his purity. And we give him our failure. If that's the essence of the the gospel we believe in, how could we ever communicate to our kids or to people walking in off the street into our church that failure is not an option? And the, the reason why I know that that is a message that the church has conveyed through the years is because there's sort of two responses to failure that are very natural. The first one is hiding. <laughs> Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sin. Oh my goodness, where are your clothes? They, they realize they're naked and what do they do? They hide and they run from God. And I saw this growing up in the church community. Uh, if somebody had marriage difficulties, nobody knew until it was too late. It was all hidden. It was all underground. Everything looked perfect until it wasn't. And then when it came out that there was a problem, often what happened is the people would just disappear. They would run away because they were like, I'm not perfect and the standard is perfection, so I'm going to run away. And I saw people leave the church. I saw young people who failed and messed up leave the church because they intrinsically heard the message. Failure is not an option. And I'll tell you something. There are two things that are extremely exhausting in this life. One of them is hiding from God, and the other is running from God. And, and I want to share with you what I believe the Bible actually teaches. So the church taught this message that you need to aim high, which I think is absolutely accurate. And I'm talking to our young people, our graduates right now. Aim high, okay? Shoot for the stars. Aim for holiness. Aim for success. Aim for healthy marriages. Aim for the best. That's what every parent, no parents would be like, yeah. Aim for mediocre. Nobody's going to do that, right? Aim high, but the church has communicated, don't fail. Aim high, don't fail. Here's what I think the Bible actually teaches. Aim high, fail forward. Aim high, fail forward. Now, here's a text I want to read you, and this, this particular text is actually one that just popped off the page to me this week. So I'm reading the Bible. Have you ever read the Bible or any book? but specifically the Bible, and you read something, and you've read it before, and all of a sudden it, it just pops, and you're like, whoa, I didn't see that before. Here's what it says in Proverbs 24, verse 16. For the righteous falls. Just stop right there. The righteous falls. I look at that, I'm like, wait a minute. Righteous people don't fall. Righteous people are righteous. Righteous people don't make mistakes. Righteous people don't fall into sin. Righteous people aren't tempted. And the author of Proverbs is like, actually, let me tell you something. Righteous people fall just like unrighteous people fall. But he says, they rise again. It falls seven times and rises again. You're like, wait a minute. Righteous people can fall over and over? Yes. Notice what happens. And they rise again. He continues, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. And and what the author of Proverbs is doing here is he's contrasting the response. And one of the major differences between somebody who is righteous and somebody who is wicked is their response when they fall. A righteous person will exercise humility and will run towards God for forgiveness, will reach out to others to make it right. They will try to learn from their failure and move in the direction that we talked about, aiming high. But uh, a wicked person will stumble and lose their way anytime they fall. And so why am I talking about this? Well, this is for everybody, but specifically for our graduates. I want them to know, I want you to know, that when you fall, and inevitably you will make mistakes, and you will falter, and you will have doubts, and things will come up, that you learn how to fall forward. Because we don't want you to fall back. We want you to fall forward. Uh, Some of you may not know this, but 20 years ago, I was a youth pastor, and I remember watching kids that had grown up in the church, 
And when they got to a certain age, they got to 18, 19, and they moved out of their parents' home, got their first jobs, uh, went to college, university, and they moved out of the environment from which they were raised. Many of them lost their faith for a while. Some of them fell back into sin. Some of them were tempted with different things. Others, here's a term you probably haven't heard in a while, backslid, right? They were headed in a direction, and all of a sudden, they failed. They fell, and they slid back from where they had come. And again, I remember hearing sermons at that time about, you know, (laughs) you know, stay sexually pure, sign a covenant, wear this necklace, get engaged to Jesus. I heard it all. You know, they talk, don't get high, don't do drugs, because we serve the most high, and he's higher than high. I heard them all. (laughs) They were cheesy then, they're cheesy now. You know, they said, don't doubt the faithfulness of God, but nobody ever told you what to do when you had doubts in the faithfulness of God. Nobody told you what to do after you had messed up sexually, or after you had got caught up in drug addiction. It was like, when somebody did fail, people went, uh, let's sweep that under the rug, because failure's not an option. And so as a church, and specifically as parents, we want to we wanna not only aim high for us and for our family, for our church, but we want to learn to fail forward. We want to learn to fail well. And the truth is, honestly, that we, we learn more from failure uh, than we do from success. And that's generally true. Uh, I'm not saying you have to fail to learn something. God forbid. You can learn from other people's failures, but for many of us, the path to learning often involves failure, doesn't it? Uh, about a month ago, I downloaded a video game called a flight simulator and on my computer, I have this game where I can fly commercial airlines, air, air, airplanes. Um, there's lots available right now. They're all on the ground. So I'm flying this commercial airplane and the first, literally the first time I tried, I'm like, this is so great. I jump in the cockpit. I'm pushing all the buttons and dials. I'm adjusting the flaps. And you can imagine I'm coming towards the runway and I'm like, this, this can't be that hard crash, right? Right into the ground. The next time I overshoot the runway, the next time I crashed into a building and I, 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 and I, I tried so many times, my computer was overheating and I'm trying and trying and trying. Finally, I land the plane and I'm like, yes, give me my wings. I'm a pilot. I can do this. And that was like level one of the tutorial because <laughs> the next level involves flying through fog and the next level involved flying with an engine down and landing the plane or uh, one landing with the, the landing gear broken. And so there were all of these things. And of course, every single time it was a crash, 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 crash. And I don't know about you, but if you have to get into a plane with a pilot flying that thing, I want a pilot who's failed a thousand times in the simulator. I want a pilot that knows what to do when something goes wrong because he's been there before or she's been there before. Failure is one of the best ways that we learn. In fact, we understand this when we're training children. Let me use an example everyone can understand. Um, when you have a little baby, and it's maybe 11 months old, and it stands up and tries to take its first step, what does everybody do? Yay, little Johnny. Yay, little Susie. Look what you did. They take one step, fall on their nose, fail miserably, and we're cheering for their failure. Don't you think that's remarkably weird? And you get a little, you know, a little girl in the high chair, and she's six months old. She takes a spoon, and she puts half the food in her mouth, half of it in her face, and a bit in her hair. And we're like, yeah, you used a spoon. No, you failed at using a spoon. But we cheer for her. We cheer for these kids that are failing. Why? Because we want them to fail forward. Because we understand as parents that we don't want a 20-year-old boy who doesn't know how to walk, you know, sitting in a giant stroller with his video game system. We want them to fail, we want them to learn through their failure so that they can achieve success. What's interesting is that we start our parenting journey 
by teaching our kids to fail forward. And when they turn four and five, we don't want them to fail anymore. And we create schools and churches and communities and safe zones where they can't fail, which means consequently, sometimes they can't learn. I'm making parents really uncomfortable right now. Um, honestly, for me, um, if you were to ask my kids, hey, um, how's your mom and dad at letting you fail? <laughs> They'll laugh at you because my wife Jessica and I are both high on perfectionism. <laughs> In our home, failure is not an option. <laughs> it literally isn't. And our kids feel that pressure and we're constantly wrestling. So I'm preaching as much to myself as, as to anyone else that we have to, in appropriate ways, allow our kids to fail and flail around and fall so that they can learn. And we have to teach them how to fail forward, right? Not to fear failure, but to fail forward. I've got some quotes on my phone. I'm going to go grab them. I was looking at some of these. Some of you may have heard uh, some of these quotes. Um, you go online and you look up failure quotes. Let me just read a couple of them to you. These are really good. I thought I'd share them. Uh, no, I don't want to connect to the Wi-Fi. No, I don't want that. Okay, here we go. You try, you fail. You try, you fail. The real failure is when you stop trying. That's, that's good. Okay, uh, let me give you a few more. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, Thomas Edison, the guy who created the light bulb. You know, light bulb. I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. That's what I call failing forward. Okay, here's, here's another one. Uh, let me just scroll through. Okay, failure is an attitude, not an outcome. <laughs> fail forward right? Failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. Fail forward. You, you see the wisdom of the agent. And then here's this last one I'll share with you. It's actually straight out of Proverbs. This stole this from the Bible. The secret of life is to fall seven times and get up eight times. <laughs> it, isn't that what the righteous fall seven times and get up again, right? So, so we have to embrace this sometimes as parents, as leaders, and as people to, to, for ourselves and for others to fail forward. Um, as I said before, uh, my wife Jessica and I are score high on perfectionism. We, we struggle with this idea of allowing our children to fail in appropriate ways. Um, we want our kids to do it right. We don't want them to fail. We don't want them to experience the pain of failure. And, you know, um, our generation, we're Gen Xers. Jess and I are Gen Xers. Some of you watching are Gen Xers. And uh, our generation of parents has been, has been titled Helicopter Parents. And helicopter parents are parents that are always nearby, always watching, always observing their kids. And when they fall or they do something wrong, what do they do? They're, they're kind of hovering nearby and they swoop in and they redirect them and they fix them and they help them get going in the right direction so they won't fail. So they're always hovering nearby. And some of the older generation have watched us parent our kids and they're just like, you guys are nuts. You guys are overkill. Like we fed our kids twice, hope they came home at night. They turned out fine. So they're looking at us going, that's crazy. I'll tell you something. The next generation following ours are being called <laughs> snowplow parents. Because instead of swooping in to help their kids when they fail, they're actually out in front of their kids like a snowplow, clearing the way so there's nothing for them to stumble on. That's scary. And so we, as parents, need to have the wisdom <laughs> to allow our kids to fail in appropriate ways. And I know that there's lots of nuance around that. But we need to teach our children, and we ourselves as adults need to learn how to fail forward. Is this helping anybody? at home today. All right, here we go. Um, Proverbs 24, 16. Let's look at it one more time, and then we're going to go to a bit of application. It says this, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. So 
The righteous respond to failure, to temptation, to difficulty, to their falling by failing forward. But the wicked stumble. They are disoriented. See, when we uh, stumble, when we're tempted, when we fall, we will be tempted to uh, take the path of least resistance, right? So it's like, if this is difficult, if I fail, I'm going to try to go another way instead of pushing forward in the right way. That's the temptation for all of us. And, and here's what I would say for our graduates, uh, many of them, many of you listening, for the first 18 years of your life, you have had your parents, grandparents, guardians, whoever those people would be, you have youth leaders, you have friends from church, and all of this community of people behind you helping you when you fall or fail to fail forward. So they're going, you've stumbled, we love you, push you in the right direction. So that's what they've been doing for you. But what happens when those people aren't there anymore? And I want us to consider this. Like what happens when you get your first job, move out of the house, when you go to college, university, and all of those supports and networks and the people that were helping you to fail forward are no longer there. And those people aren't pushing you from behind. You have to have something within you that is driving you forward. And, and I want you to see for just a moment what it is that, that Paul had out in front of him that was intrinsically driving him from the inside to continue even when he failed, and yes, Paul failed, to fail in a forward direction. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. You, you, you kidding me, Paul? You weren't perfect, right? You can turn to somebody sitting with you and say, you're not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You see what he's doing? He's like, yes, I fail. Yes, I haven't reached the mark. I haven't arrived, but I'm going to keep going forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, so Paul says, look, I haven't arrived. I'm still working on this, but I know which direction to go. And Paul had something out in front of him. Let me tell you what it was. Paul desired to know Christ, to be like Christ, and to be with him forever. He had a vision, and he had an aim that was beyond this world, beyond his career, beyond uh, retirement, beyond any of the things that we aim for in life. There's something beyond. And literally, right before this passage that I read to you, he says, I want to attain the resurrection of the dead. I want to be in heaven with Jesus forever. That's my aim. It's what drives me forward when I fall. And, and so I want to challenge our graduates, but all of our church and those guests online who are watching this message, two very, very simple things that you need to have in place for your life. The first one is this. You need a vision for your life. There has to be... Goals are great, Right? Some of our young uh, students that are graduating may have a goal to get a job, to get a diploma, to get a degree, to get a career. Fantastic goals. I want to encourage you with that. But, 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 you need a vision that's bigger. Because when you're pursuing those goals and you stumble, you won't know which way to fall. You won't know which way to fail unless you have something on the other side that you're aiming for. Uh, for some of you who are, who are past that age, and maybe for you, your goal is to have a family or to have a marriage or to buy a home or to change your career. Like Those are fantastic goals, but those will not sustain you. They're not a big enough vision for you. And for some of you, it might be to retire you know, well or to have a cottage or to, to be able to, to see your grandkids. And those are amazing goals you should pursue, but you need a vision beyond it. You need something beyond it. So we need to have a vision for your life. 
And unless you have that vision driving you from inside, when you fail, you, you will fail or fall back instead of failing and falling forward. That vision drives you forward. And you sometimes know whether you have that vision within you because when you fail or fall and there's no one around to pick you up, which way do you go? See, your faith becomes real when you fail. Because as we learned before, the righteous get up. The righteous go forward. Paul says, no matter what happens, I, I'm pressed towards the mark. Like there was something driving him forward. And I want that for every person listening, and particularly for our graduating class. The other thing that you need to do, and I'll close with this, you need to also surround yourself with people who share a similar vision. There's a lot of great people you can hang out with, date, uh, get into business with, and, and they're fantastic, good people. But do they share the same vision? Is the same thing driving them in the same direction? Because if you can surround yourself with people who are moving in the same direction with the same values, then when you fail, they'll help pick you up. And when they fail, you can help pick them up. And so, again, for the first 18 years of your life, many of the kids in our church have been given that by our church community, by their leaders and their parents and grandparents. But for every person listening, no matter what age, we have to choose what's driving us, what vision do we have for the future, and will we surround ourselves with a small group, with a church family, with, with those who share those values and that vision to drive us all forward. So I hope this has been helpful fail forward. It's a, it's a new phrase, a new way to think about it. And I want to just, as I close, I want to address four different groups of people and pray. Here's the first group of people I want to talk to. Those of you that are listening to this going, man, I've fallen so short. <laughs> and, and you've been hiding in your failure. And maybe you've been running from God, running from your failure. And I need you to hear this. Your failure does not define who you are. God does. And so you need to fail forward right into his arms of grace. And I want to encourage you to do that as we close the service. Second group of people I want to talk about is parents. And I've said some challenging things for me and for you about allowing our kids to fail so that they can learn to fail forward. And uh, I want to just pray for us that God would give us the wisdom to not overprotect our kids, but also the wisdom to not overexpose them, right? Because we can fail on both ends. And it takes God's wisdom and his spirit to lead us in how to, how to work with each kid that's different and each situation that's different. Man, we can't do this job without the leading of the spirit of God. To our church family, I want to encourage us to be a church that never conveys the message that failure is not an option. That someone visiting our church who does not have a faith, who's coming to experience our community, would sense in their very being, if, if no words are ever said, that they're accepted and loved and that their failures shouldn't be an obstacle for them to come to God. It should be the thing driving them to the, to the feet of Jesus. And so would we be a church that's open and accepting and forgiving and gracious? And can we have a high bar as a church? Christ-likeness, holiness, purity, but have open arms that push people towards the throne of grace. Could we be that kind of church? And lastly, to our graduates, this, this text I want to read one last time. Remember this as you move on to the next phase of your life. The righteous falls seven times and rises again. The wicked stumble in times of calamity. If you can embrace a vision for your life that is beyond career, grades, whatever else that you have in your set of goals, you can have that vision in your heart. And if you can choose the right people to surround you, if you can fail forward, I promise you that you will end up exactly where you want to be. 
God will lead you, he'll guide you, he'll protect you, but you have to choose to embrace that vision for yourself and surround yourself with the right people. So with that, let me pray and we'll close our time. Father, thank you for every person listening. God, would you help us to be the kind of people who recognize that we are so far from the mark that we rely upon and depend upon your grace and mercy for our salvation and hope. May each of us be people who fail forward. May we be the kind of church that allows people who are failures, which is all of us, to come and worship at your feet and receive your grace. Would we be parents that allow our kids to mess up sometimes and we walk them through the process of failing in your direction? God, may we be a church that always holds a high bar with open arms in love and grace. And Father, for our graduates, would you go with them to the next phase of their journey? Would you protect them, guide them with the things that have been invested in them over the past five, 10, 20 years? Continue to go with them, those seeds to grow to fruit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week.